Hello and welcome to Careers by Design, the interviews. I'm Sharon Belden-Castingway, Director of the Gordon Career Center at Wesleyan University. Today I'm delighted to be speaking with Lael Brainerd, Class of 1983, a member of the United States Federal Reserve's Board of Governors. Governor, welcome to Careers by Design. Well, thank you. Uh, to start out, can you tell us a bit about what the Federal Reserve is and about the role of governors? Yeah, absolutely. So the Federal Reserve is the uh, is America's uh, central bank. Uh, so it is responsible uh, essentially for um, helping to determine uh, financial conditions uh, in lending markets uh, through its control uh, indirectly uh, over short-term interest rates. That's one of its primary functions, but it's also very important uh, in making sure that the payment system uh, works uh, in a way that everybody can rely on. You know, when you write a check, that it actually ends up um, uh, moving money from your bank account to whoever you're writing a check to, or these days, uh, more likely when you uh, hit send on your iPhone. Um, and it's also uh, importantly responsible for. Um, making sure banks uh, or some, some of the nation's banks are safe and sound because we share that set of responsibilities, and responding to financial crises like the one that we saw in 2008-2009. Uh, so it has a broad set of responsibilities. Unlike many other advanced economies, uh, our central bank is actually pretty new. Uh, we had uh, two earlier central banks uh, that uh, were not renewed by Congress, and so uh, the current Federal Reserve System has been in place only since 1913. Great. Thank you very much. Now, I understand that you grew up abroad. Can you tell me a bit about that experience? Yeah, so I um, grew up uh, in uh, Poland uh, during a period of uh, communist rule, during the period of the um, Iron Curtain still in place, the Cold War. Um, and also uh, Germany, uh, before the unification of Germany, before um, the EU really um, got very far uh, along. So very different conditions uh, uh, than we see today, and it's been uh, incredible for me to observe um, how Europe has flourished and integrated um, and uh, restored uh, peace and prosperity over uh, my lifetime. Uh, and it's also, uh, as a kid, just uh, fantastic to be um, being an American uh, abroad and feeling proud of being an American uh, living abroad, where obviously uh, our nation had some uh, helpful um, uh, role uh, in restoring that peace and security. And what was your path to Wesleyan? How did you find your way here, and why did you decide to get a liberal arts education? Well, I think uh, Wesleyan um, had uh, and has just a phenomenal reputation um, as an institution that cares about teaching undergraduates. Um, and when I was uh, looking uh, at, at the college search process, uh, one thing that I heard from uh, many professors, both at large research institutions as well as liberal arts colleges, was uh, that the uh, quality of the teaching and the, the emphasis um, on teaching undergraduates, on doing research with undergraduates at Wesleyan was really extraordinary. And of course, that was the experience uh, that I had at Wesleyan. 
Can you tell me a bit about that, some of the things you were involved in on campus, whether research or otherwise? Yeah, so um, in terms of academics, um, I uh, quickly found my way to the College of Social Studies. Uh. Um, and it was a fantastic experience. I loved the interdisciplinary approach. Um, but it was also uh, incredibly strong in each of the disciplines. So I got great exposure to philosophy, to politics, to economics, to history, um, in a way that, um, for me, uh, made them, each of them, more vibrant and um, more compelling because they were integrated with the other subjects. So it was a, it was a really... Um, unique uh, opportunity, and I took uh, great advantage of it, and, you know, I think all of the colleges at Wesleyan um, are so um, fabulously um, and thoughtfully constructed to integrate the disciplines in a way that's incredibly productive. And did you go to to graduate school directly after Wesleyan? I did not. I actually um, was a bit on the fence about uh, where I wanted to go after my undergraduate years. Um, So uh, interestingly, I got a scholarship while at Wesleyan, the CLE scholarship, to work um, at a business consulting firm called McKinsey, which I did uh, in the London office. And that was um, during one of the summers, which was just an incredible exposure for me. And uh, decided that I would, after graduation, spend a few years with that firm getting exposed to various different industries, um, which were globalizing at the time, uh, you know, ranging from a uh, biscuit maker uh, in the UK to one of the big three uh, automakers in the U.S. and some financial services firms. Um, But I will say that uh, my Wesleyan professors had a huge impact on me um, when I did decide to go back, even before I left Wesleyan. You know, one or two of them took me aside and said, you know, you really do need to go on uh, and deepen your studies, get a Ph.D. It's not something that I really had thought much about, but their encouragement and that um, focus on um, my own strengths and interests uh, was was very uh, important in my career decisions. How easy did you find it working in a consulting role after coming out of CSS, which is very you know academic and theoretical? Uh, how did you find your transition into a business workplace? Yeah, I actually um, found the transition uh, relatively seamless uh, for two reasons. First of all, um, I think uh, Wesleyan does a good job uh, not just of exposing um, uh, students to disciplinary rigors of research um, and content, but also uh, of uh, helping them and encouraging them to be engaged with the world. So I had plenty of experiences uh, when I was at Wesleyan working on topics that were uh, very relevant and, and of course, work experiences as well. So by the time I got to uh, McKinsey, um, that um, uh, basis for working in a work in a, in a business environment had already been well laid in terms of the ability to think, the ability to write, the ability to um, plan and execute a project uh, from end to end. Those were all things that were taught um, and emphasized. But then the flip side of it is also McKinsey does a wonderful job of taking um, motivated young people and um, giving them requisite uh, skills. Uh, so it was it was a great 
um, experience on both sides. And then how did you go about choosing both a graduate school and an area of research? So in terms of, um, uh, at first I, I, I had to choose a discipline, um, and that was, uh, that was difficult um, uh, because my natural inclination was uh, to be somewhat more interested in political philosophy. Um, but that was a, a, a path that I thought would lead me to more um, uh, likely a academic career, and I wasn't sure that's what I wanted. I wanted to be working in the world. I wanted to make a difference in policy, um, and economics um, was uh, a, a much more um, clear path to being able to be engaged on public policy and uh, to make a material difference on some of the issues that I cared most about. Um, the, uh, the choice, though, was also facilitated by uh, my professors at Wesleyan. I can remember we had outside evaluators for our um, culminating exams at CSS, and the economist turned to me at the end of our oral evaluation and said, so when did you decide to become an economist? And I was a little... Um, little chagrin because, in fact, I had no idea uh, that I would go into economics, and I realized <laughs> that my economics professor had cleverly planted the seed uh, to encourage me uh, to think further about it, and it was an effective strategy. So you completed a Ph.D. in economics. Uh, what were your professional aspirations when you finished your Ph.D.? Yeah, so um, I... I wanted um, to work uh, in uh, policy, ultimately. I, I, uh, I thought there was um, an incredible value in the discipline, the intellectual discipline, the rigor, uh, the focus on uh, data and um, uh, evaluating outcomes that uh, uh, economics forces. So I, you know, I had um, an interest in the discipline uh, from that perspective, and of course it's a you know, it's a social science. It evaluates, you know, our policies actually achieving their goals. For instance, how well is the economy doing, not just in terms of overall growth, but in terms of lifting the lives of the poorest, those kinds of things. So I, I spent um, actually about half a decade uh, in academia as a professor honing uh, my craft and kind of more deeply contributing um, to uh, research. I was teaching at MIT at the time, and that was a fantastic experience. Uh, and then, um, you know, when uh, there was an opportunity to go work in um, the policy arena for a, um, actually it was a, a kind of a year-long year fellowship, so it was a limited point uh, period of time, I decided to do that um, because I had this interest in policy. But at that juncture, I didn't know whether I would be coming back to academia or you know, making um, a, a lengthier detour into public policy, and uh, it turned out to be more of the latter, but, but I didn't know that at the time. Can you tell me a bit about your role with the Clinton administration and how that came about? Yeah, so I, uh, when I was a, a professor at MIT, I applied for a White House fellowship, uh, which is a fantastic program. Um, it's one year. Uh, it takes people from all different walks of life and different professions and brings them into the federal government for one year and then sends them back to their communities uh, to take what they've learned uh, and apply it there. Uh, so I applied for uh, the White House Fellowship, um, and 
it's an incredible process. There's a, a series of selection pools, um, and you know you have to engage with um, panels of incredibly impressive people. So the, the process of applying itself is a lot of fun. Sally Ride was on one of my panels, and uh-huh. General West Park was on another, and you know both of them are just phenomenal role models. Um, and uh, then um, I ended up working um, as a result of the White House Fellowship with Laura Tyson um, at the uh, White House um, for Bill Clinton, um, and she was a great role model, and uh, that was the beginning of uh, a then six-year stint uh, in the Clinton administration where I kind of moved from one interesting issue to another, uh, starting with um, the Mexican peso crisis when I first arrived, which was you know, it was a kind of a, a jump into the deep end. And then, you know, later in the um, uh, Clinton administration, we dealt with the uh, Asian financial crisis, the Brazilian financial crisis, the Russian financial crisis. So loads of really interesting issues, uh, which kind of uh, kept me uh, occupied and uh, productive uh, really until the end of the administration. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, what led to your decision to join the Brookings Institution? Well, Brookings is a fantastic um, uh, kind of uh, combination or integration of um, policy issues and uh, rigorous, uh, mostly social science, uh, uh, academically-based research. So it's a pretty unique um, institution, uh, and uh, it was a natural place for me to migrate after being so engaged in the policy process because it enabled me to go back to the world of research and ideas, refresh my intellectual capital, which by that point had been pretty drawn down during my, you know, six years of kind of sprinting during um, the Clinton administration, and, uh, you know, re-engage with uh, my academic um, colleagues on issues that, um, were fresh uh, in my mind because I had been working on them. So it was a very nice way of integrating the research world with the world of um, action and the world of policy in particular. Now, I understand that in 2009, you were tapped by the Obama administration to serve as Undersecretary of the Treasury for International Affairs. Can you tell me what that position involved? Yeah, so um, the Undersecretary for International at Treasury is, uh, it has been described by others as the nation's top financial diplomat. I think that's actually a pretty good moniker. Hmm. Um, Essentially, uh, that position, you know, has a pretty storied uh, background. Paul Volcker sat in that uh, position for a period of time. Several uh, Treasury secretaries, Larry Summers, Tim Geithner, um, have been uh, in that position previously. And it's the position that's responsible um, for helping to shape um, how America um, positions itself in international economic uh, fora, international financial negotiations. because we were still in the middle of this raging financial crisis here in the U.S., um, it was a particularly challenging but also fascinating moment. So, um, you know, that uh, role uh, uh, required me to 
participate in all of the G20 meetings with all of the leading uh, 20 economies in the world. Uh, as we try to uh, douse the uh, embers of the um, financial crisis by putting in place fiscal programs and, in our case, housing programs, um, but also then turning to the architecture of the financial system and uh, fixing what had been broken there and led to the financial crisis in the first place. And of course, you have to do it on an international scale because um, the global banks and global financial markets are so interconnected. Uh, and after that initial period, after our economy started to stabilize, um, the focus um, really turned towards the euro area where um, their own financial crisis uh, was starting to flare. So I spent a lot of time flying from capital to capital uh, in the euro area, um, trying to uh, work together and galvanize a collective response. And then uh, there was a lot of work uh, that I was also responsible with trying to get a more balanced um, currency and trade relationship uh, with China, which had been allowed to get um, badly out of balance in, in the preceding uh, decade. Now, looking, you know, over your career up until this point, you, know, you started out at Wesley and you got your PhD from Harvard, you taught at MIT, you worked for two administrations. Was joining the Fed something you had thought about all along? Was that an inevitable outcome? Or was that something of a surprise? What was that transition like? Yeah, it's funny, because um, for most of the um, positions or um, uh, you know, sort of programs that I had participated in, you know, it was a very proactive uh, choice on my part where I really had to, um, you know, uh, work hard um, to, to chart that, uh, that path. Um, when it came to the Fed, honestly, I had never thought about being a monetary policymaker at the Fed. Um, sitting on the board of the Fed, um, and it was a bit of a surprise um, and a, a happy surprise when it was suggested to me. And um, I, you know, I, I, I honestly said I hadn't given a lot of thought to it, and um, but it sounded it sounded like a fantastic opportunity. In fact, it has been, and you know, I, I it was great uh, that the president supported my. Um, uh, candidacy, and of course, I already knew the chair of the Fed, uh, Janet Yellen, was incredibly excited and honored to be able to serve with her. She's the first uh, woman uh, who's ever chaired the Fed, which is a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, you know, it was just uh, it was it was not something I had uh, really ever contemplated. But when it was proposed to me, it seemed like just a great fit. And what is it that you still hope to accomplish in your career? Well, you know, our um, country has a lot of challenges. Um, and, you know, I hope to be able to, on the margins, um, help to address some of them. I, you know, I'm, I am struck that our economy is, again, um, you know, there's financially stable and resilient. I think we have a much stronger financial system than we did going into the crisis. Um, the recovery is uh, resilient, so we're seeing, you know, sort of um, uh, 2% plus or minus a little growth uh, consistently. But what we are not seeing is um, any uh, improvement in 
the growing uh, inequality in the country. And, and I don't just um, uh, focus on or mean the inequality of incomes. It's really increasingly there's questions about the traditional American dream of economic mobility. And we're seeing that um, you know there are places of opportunity and uh, backgrounds where people have greater opportunity than, uh, than other parts of the country. That's a trend that troubles me greatly and, and should trouble all Americans. Um, and so, you know, hopefully uh, in some small way uh, over coming years and, you know, whether it be here at the Fed or uh, after the Fed uh, elsewhere, uh, you know, I hope to be able to um, help uh, our nation solve some of those um, challenges. Is economics a subject you would recommend that Wesleyan students study? You know, it's not for everybody, um, but it's a fantastic um, uh, toolkit. It's a fantastic uh, set of uh, intellectual and uh, rigorous uh, frameworks that um, I think uh, enables people who are interested in questions uh, surrounding the economy um, or um, uh, policy, business, uh, uh, to really uh, contribute in a way um, that is uh, rigorous and creative and productive. So, again, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody, but uh, for uh, some people it really is an, a powerful set of tools. Well, and it is indeed a popular major on campus. Uh, Lael Brainerd, class of 1983, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sharon. appreciate it. This has been Careers by Design, the interviews. If you enjoyed this podcast, help us attract new listeners by leaving a comment on iTunes. And check out our Careers by Design online course, available on iTunes U and the Gordon Career Center website. This podcast is produced by Sharon Belden-Castingway, music by Andrew Santanello.